they would learn more about you and that the truth of who you are would uh, sink deep into their hearts, God. Thank you so much. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So for the parents, if you want to walk the kids, it is the first classroom down the hall. So let's walk and not run. Do you mind doing the slides? We brought hot chocolate for the kids this morning. So if they just happen to have a little sugar high and running around more often than they normally do, that's why. It's, it just suddenly got so quiet when the kids are gone. For those who don't have kids, I'm sure you guys really enjoy that experience. But just so you know, for those that have kids, we enjoy it so much more. They are a blessing, but uh, sometimes it is nice to have a little quiet. Uh, good morning. How are you guys? Great. Um, it is December. Welcome to December. As I was preparing for this morning, I just realized it's incredible. December 2017. It is quickly how time has flied by. It's the last month of the year already. Next thing you know, it'll be 2018, 2019, you know, 2020. But let's slow down a little bit. Okay? It's amazing how time flies quicker and quicker as we get older. And I guess I can say that because as, I'm getting, as I am getting closer to 50, I am 46. I'm beginning to get a taste of, of what people used to say that the time flies goes by quicker as you get older. I didn't fully understand what that really meant until recently. I'm, I'm, our prime is not until 50, just so you know that. I'm sticking to that. <laughs> Marie's laughing, but I'm still getting close to my prime. But anyway, time is going by quicker and quicker as we get older. And it's because I think as we get older, we get wiser. Whether we want to get wiser or not, we are getting wiser and, and we are learning things and we know more. And as we look back, and look back at other things that we have accomplished. And some may have accomplished more than others, uh, but either way, we're beginning to think more about how we got to this place. Uh, what had happened, how we got here, what are we doing now, and what are some of the things that we want to accomplish for the remaining years of our lives? Uh, I say that not uh, meant as a sad thing, but to encourage all of us to, to take stock of, of our lives and be aware of our, what's going on with our lives and be aware of our surroundings. Uh, by doing this, having a, a heightened awareness of our lives and our surroundings will help us to, to know and see, again, how did we get here? What happened? What are we going to do about it? And what are we going to do going forward? And the sooner or earlier in life we do this, the better it will be. And I wish someone would have said this to me when I was 21, because when I was 21, I was in a much, much different place. So, for those who are 21, there's anyone who's 21? Oh, you, Toby, so when you turn 22, remember that. The sooner you can be aware of what's going on, the better it's going to be. So the topic, you know, you guys probably sitting here, it's like, what is he talking about? So the topic for this morning is to encourage all of us to, to constantly be aware of our lives and our surrounding environment. We always want to be the people who are aware of what's going on, what's happening to us. And when we do that, we can cast aside of the things that are important, that are not important, and focus on what is important. We can cast aside the things that, 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 
that waste time and energy and focus on the things that we consider as important so we can focus our time and our energy on those things. Uh, can, you know, focus, be aware of the things that are causing us to run in place. When I say running in place, meaning uh, it's the same thing as someone's doing uh, the same job for, for 50 years and there's no promotion and nothing new. You want to know what's going on. Why am I still in this place for so long? What's causing me to not be able to move forward? By being aware will help us to know what's going on. Um, so, but for this morning, when we're talking about being aware, knowing where we were, where we are, and where we're going to go, this morning I'm going to focus on what has happened to us that get us to this point. And when I use the term us, I'm talking about people in general, all people, not just us, as a, a specifically not a group of people here this morning. What has happened that brought us to this point in time? So as we look around, not just in our own individual lives, but just around of what's going on, there's so much chaos, right? You, you, any of you guys read the news? There's chaos and frustration and anger and hate and instability and war is going about to break out in multiple countries at any time. Uh, so how did we get to this point? Should we go back to five years, 10 years, um, maybe 50 years if we're a little bit older? Uh, what, what about our parents and our grandparents? Because what they have done affect us also. So maybe we need to go back further to include them. What about, um, what about the generation that came before? So we need to go back further and further to find out what is the root cause, right? Perhaps to really get a complete picture, we need to go all the way back to the creation, to the beginning of time, to the beginning of creation. This is when we get into the discussion of the beginning of time. I know it can be a little bit controversial. Is it according to the Bible or is it according to the scientific community? Uh, if it's according to the Bible, God was in the beginning and he created everything that we, that we know and see. I understand it requires faith to believe, and it, I understand it may seem a little bit illogical, but if you can stay with me. So that's according to the Bible. God was in the beginning, and he created life. If it's according to the scientific community, what they are saying is it's, it started from nothing, and then the Big Bang Theory happened, which created everything that we know and see. Unfortunately, the scientific community forgot to tell you is, this theory violates the first law of thermodynamics. Did I say that right? Thermal, 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 thermal. You guys know what I'm saying. The first law of thermodynamics, it states that energy can be transformed from one form to the other, but it cannot, cannot be created or destroyed. Energy cannot be destroyed or created. There can be, it, it, we cannot have, there's no energy and suddenly there's an enormous amount of energy such as the Big Bang, coming from nowhere, creating the universe and creating everything that we know and we see. We can go on and talk about this, and actually I have spent a lot of time trying to argue for this point. We can talk about this for days and weeks and months and probably years about the different theories on the beginning of time, such as the quantum theorist, isolate universe, multiple universe, or the big crunch, but for the sake of time, I will summarize it as, as this. It takes much less faith to believe there is a God than to believe in the Big Bang Theory. It is more logical to believe in the divine creator than in a universe created by an accident known as the Big Bang or the Big Crunch Theory, which, by the way, contradicts either the first law of thermodynamics or the second law of thermodynamics. 
And all the scientific people will tell you, these two laws have never, ever been contradicted, either directly or indirectly. And a point that I also want to say is we, we, as people, we live in the city, and everything we see around us has been created by man, by the hands of man. However, if any of you guys ever get a chance to go out of the city and look around us and look up in the skies, we will see the evidence of how not an accident things were created. I love the verse from Psalm 19, verse 1 and 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pull forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no word. No sounds is heard from them. Yet the voice goes out into all the earth, their word to the end of the world. So if you go outside and look up in the skies, we can hear and see why and how things were created. So with that said, let's go to the beginning of time and creation according to the Bible, right? Because it takes less faith to believe in the Bible. And it's, uh, it's, it's more logical to believe in the Bible. We have established that God created the time, created time, the universe, and mankind, and, and everything that you see. So let's look at why we should believe in what the Bible tells us. Right? It's, it's comprised of 66 books, the Old Testament and New Testament. It was written by various people throughout the history of time. But they were all guided by God. The hands were guided by God as they wrote down these, uh, these stories. So how do we know that? We know this from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Because there's no possible way for anyone to be able to capture with absolute accuracy of the details, names, geographical descriptions, events, and places that happened throughout for thousands of years. The accuracy of the genealogy for so many people. The accurate biblical events and people in ways that are so inspiring, so heartwarming, so convicting, so convincing, and, and capture the, the, the accuracy of the, 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 the weaknesses and the frailty. The only logical and possible way for how the incredible accuracy of all these stories, or the songs, or the emotion, that was captured, described, or explained was because these stories were told through the same person who was involved and a knowledgeable eyewitness. That same eyewitness throughout the years and throughout all these events and throughout all the lives of other people and throughout all the generations is God himself because we know no one lives forever. That's correct, right? God spoke to people who wrote down what happened of the details of the, uh, and, and, and the of what happened in terms of the knowledge, gave them the knowledge of what happened. God guided their hands in writing down what happened. That's what it means when we read 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed because his breath, his life, his fingerprints are all in scripture, are all over scripture. So now that we have established, even though I know it's very briefly, the groundwork that God created the universe, he was involved and then eyewitness of all the events and the books in the books of all the Bibles. This is the same God, this is the same as saying God was the author, right? Because he was guiding the hands of the people that was writing things down. Another way that has helped me to have a better understanding of the Bible and the appreciation for it is, is to look at it as a compilation. Did I say that right? 
compilation of, it, it was really smooth when I was practicing, but I don't know why I'm stopping right now, just so you guys know. Uh, it, the, the Bible, it, just look at it as a compilation of other love letters. It's written from a father to his children throughout history. These love letters speak of the hurt, of the anger, of the frustrations, of the, the jealousy, of the supernatural interventions, of the forgiveness, of compassion and kindness experienced by a loving father at the action of his children. The one common thing in, in, in all of these letters is the enduring, constant, never-ending love of the father for his children. This one thing has always come through when you read the Bible from the first book to the last book. I share that perspective to help us have another way of understanding the Bible. It's not just a historical book. It's a book about God's love for his people. So, so now that we talked about God created universe and the Bible is, is the, 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 the account of what happened, let's go back to the question that we ask ourselves. What has happened that brought us to this point in time? As I mentioned earlier, for us, encourage us to be aware of, of our surroundings and our, our lives because we don't want to or we should not go through life oblivious to what is happening to us or around us. In order to know why and how things are the way that they are, we need to all go back to the very beginning, right? Because we established that God created universe, the universe and the Bible was, the, uh, was an account of what happened. So we need to go all the way back to the beginning to find out what caused things to be the way that they are right now. And I know we have some medical and counseling professional in here, so hopefully I'm saying this correctly. If, if you want to diagnose a problem, you need to find out and know where the root cause is. Go to the root cause, go to the source and diagnose it, and then you can fix it. So everything that we see around us originated with the action of one man in Genesis 3. So just to give a brief idea for those who are not familiar, in Genesis 1, God created the universe. In Genesis 2, God created Adam and Eve. And in Genesis 3 is the crucial event that will explain the root cause of what has happened that brought us to this point in time. In Genesis 3, Adam disobeyed God. Uh, I know uh, I want to encourage you guys, if you're not familiar with the story, go and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But in Genesis 3, Adam disobeyed God. He did what he was specifically, specifically told not to do. It was to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam disobeyed through believing the lies of the serpent, the devil. Instead of trusting in God and his instructions, Adam disobeyed through not speaking up for Eve when she was being deceived by the devil. The important, and the, and, the, and the important word that we need to emphasize here is disobeyed. Adam disobeyed. This may not seem like a big deal, but I want to give an illustration to help us understand the, the implications of what Adam did. For an example, my son and I were playing on the rooftop, right? And I tell him, do not jump off the roof because if you do, you will die. However, someone else come along and tell him, hey, it's okay to jump off the roof because you will be able to fly. If you jump off the roof, you will be as strong, as fast, as big as your father. Someone come along and tell him that. So, if he listens and he jumps, there will be consequences. 
such as fatal injury, right? That is what happened in Genesis 3. When Adam disobeyed God, similar to the example of my son jumping off the roof because he didn't listen to me, when Adam disobeyed God, there were consequences from that act of disobedience. So firstly, we will physically die. You may or may not know this, when God created us, we were meant to live forever with him. But because of that act of disobedience, now everyone will eventually die a physical death and a spiritual death. A spiritual death meaning that we are separated from God, that we're no longer able to be with him, hear from him, spend time with him, and be with him forever throughout eternity. This one act of disobedience, that act of sin, has ramifications for all people that were born from the genealogy of Adam and Eve. In Romans 5, verse 12, it said, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because of sin. So as Adam and Eve were our original ancestors, ancestors, they were ancestors for all people who has ever lived or will ever live. We, unfortunately, inherited the consequences of their sin, Adam and Eve. The spiritual death that we suffer, the separation from God, is passed down through all generations. The sinfulness is what's causing all the chaos and anger and frustration and hate that we see is passed down to all of us today. We may say to ourselves, I, I think we, some of us may say this to ourselves, that we didn't have anything to do with Adam's disobedience, right? It was his problem that he didn't listen to God. That's not my problem, it was his problem. It is understandable to, to say that, but it does not change the fact that the sin is within us. It's the same as me saying, hey, I don't want to be Asian. My parents were Asian, but I didn't choose to be Asian. Or for Marie to say, hey, my parents were black, I didn't want to be black. Or Gavin to say, hey, I didn't want us to be white, but my parents were white. I want to be something else. I want to be Asian, you know? Who doesn't? Anyway. Uh, but you, you guys know what I'm trying to say. It's, it's the same as the saying that you, we hear that a lot. You can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your family. And it's in us. Unfortunately, it's in us. And when Adam disobeyed, the consequence of that is sin. It's within us. We ourselves cannot do anything about it. We can't, I can't do anything for you. You can't do anything for me regarding this, that the sin is within us. We can puff each other up all day long. We can talk about how great we are. We can talk about we can be anything we want to be. We can change. We can talk about we're the masters of the universe. We can say that all day long, but it does not change the fact that the sin of what Adam's disobedience is in us, in all of us. It sounds very depressing, doesn't it? It is depressing. And it's hopeless. It is hopeless. It sounds very hopeless because there's nothing that we can do, any one of us can do. No matter how many things we build and how smart we are, there's nothing we can do. How good of a life we're trying to live, there's nothing that we can do. It is hopeless. However, this is my favorite part right here. So if you guys weren't listening at all, this is the part to listen. There is a way to correct this. There is a hope. There is a way to correct this sin that's been passing down for generations and generations. There is a way to remedy this depressing situation, this hopeless situation that we, that we see. There's a way to reverse 
the spiritual death that we experience and bring it back to life. There is a hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. Amen. See, our God and our Father, who does not want us to be separated from him, he does not want us, any one of us, any one of us, when I say any one of us, any one of us, to suffer that spiritual death at all. He does not. He wants to reconcile us, his children. He wants to make a way for us to come back to him, to be in his presence, to enjoy his incredible love that you can never get anywhere else. You can never duplicate it, duplicate it or replicate it. He wants us to enjoy that again and live with joy in our lives and have a spiritual life that will last forever and experience that together with our children and our grandchildren and the many, many generations to come. He wants us to come back to that. You know why we know that? It's because through the love letters that he has been writing for all of us. If you, could, if you look at one of those love letters in the Bible, Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5, God said, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace. It is by grace and grace alone that you have been saved. He showed us a way to come back to him again. He provided a way for us to come back to him again. And that way back to God is through Jesus Christ. This was not because we, 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 we don't have spiritual life. It's not because we've been remorseful. Or it's because, oh, well, I feel really bad. It's not because we'll pay the price. Or because we've lived 50 years of good living. Or it's because we donate our money to charity. Or because we help the poor. It's not because of any of that. We cannot sufficiently pay the price for Adam's sin. It was out of his great love for us. It's by the grace of God that, he, that, that we have a way to be saved from being separated from our Heavenly Father forever. The way back to God is through Jesus Christ. I know I've said it. Hopefully it's not repetitive for you guys because that's the only way. The way back through to God is through Jesus Christ. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for us. Jesus is the only one who can sufficiently pay for the consequences caused by Adam's disobedience. Through Jesus Christ, who was born to a virgin, so he would not carry the sinful gene of disobedience from Adam. He was not like you or I or any other human. Jesus, he was the only one he is the only one who is able, capable, willing, and qualified. And he was the only one. He came and paid the cost of the consequences from Adam's act of disobedience through his death on the cross. Through Jesus' death on the cross, he paid the price for us. Jesus did this through his obedience to the Father. So that's the key right there for us. Adam. Adam's act of disobedience brought death. Jesus, Jesus' act of obedience brought life. If we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, it said, consequently, the reason I'm using these verses is because I, don't want, I want you guys to know I'm not making these things up. So you can see the proof in here. 
in the book. God breathed in the book. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of one man, Adam, which is Adam, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of one man, which is Jesus, the many will be made righteous. What Adam did affected all the generation that came after him. At the same time, what Jesus did will also affect all the generations if we accept the price that Jesus had paid for our sin, which is his blood was shed on the cross for us. The cost of our sin was paid by Jesus' death on the cross. It was already done. We just need to accept it and receive it. The only thing we need to do is to acknowledge that Jesus is God and he paid the price for our sin, which brings us back to this point in time, to the question that I was asking us earlier. What brought us to this point in time? So now that we know, it's because of Adam's acts of disobedience. That's what we see, all the things and the craziness and the chaos and, and, and the hate and the anger around us. Now we know the root cause, right? As a medical or counseling professional would say, now that we know the root cause, which is Adam's act of disobedience, now we can decide whether to accept the diagnose, the remedy, or the medicine, which is to accept Jesus' act of obedience. There are two ways to handle this. One is just kind of ignore the consequences of the original sin within us and go on and living a life oblivious to what happened that brought us to this point. Living our remaining few years on earth pretending to not be aware of what is going on with us and our surroundings and our separation from God. The other option is to acknowledge and accept what happened in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. When we acknowledge the sin of our ancestors and accept that Jesus died on the cross for us, we can receive the ultimate gift of redemption, the ultimate gift of salvation, the ultimate gift of reconciliation with our Heavenly Father, what we get is, I like to use this term a lot, we get a do-over. The ultimate gift of eternal life again. We get to receive that gift of ultimate life, ultimate eternal life again. We get to revive the spiritual death that we have. It's a do-over. In order to have eternal life and revive the spiritual life, in order to experience the enduring never-ending, constant love of the Father. And I'll tell you, I've never experienced that love until I get to experience it with our Heavenly Father. We were taught growing up, I say we in general, as people, to tough it out, be tough. But when you experience the love of the Father, no amount of toughness can keep us from Him and coming back and receiving more of the joy and the love that He has. Just receive Jesus. Accept and receive Jesus. It seems too simple, right? It's too simple. It's too easy, too simple to fix something so enormous, so enormous and so lasting throughout generations and thousands and thousands of years. It's too easy. Why didn't I think of that? It's too simple. 
It's one of those things where, you know, someone invented something and it's like, that was too easy. Why didn't I think of that? This is what it is. It's too easy and it's too simple because Jesus did all the work because of God's great love for us. It's easy because we didn't do anything. That's why it's easy. We just need to enjoy the benefits of Jesus' suffering and sacrificial death. That is to acknowledge and accept Jesus, that he paid for our sin. I want to end on that last point, that when we choose to be aware of our lives, our surroundings, in terms of understanding why things are the way that they are, this will lead us to find the root cause of our some unfulfilled, unsatisfactory, non-purposeful life, and the limited life that will end with death. Because if we are aware, and that's why I was encouraging us to be aware of what's going on. Because if you really think about it, without eternal life, without life being with God, we only have a few years left. A hundred years might seem long, but compared to eternity, it's just a blink of an eye. And it's going to all end when we die. Isn't that depressing? That's depressing. But when we receive Jesus, we have eternal life. And that will last forever. And that's why we need to be aware of the things that's going on around us. And what has happened to us. And what is going to happen to us in the future. And as I said, there is a diagnosis for that. For the root cause that every people have experienced. A diagnosis that will give us a do-over and have eternal life again. To be in relationship with our Heavenly Father again. To experience a love that can never be described, can never be duplicated, can never be explained, can never be replicated. That diagnosis is to acknowledge the sin within us and confess that Jesus is our Savior. If you already know Jesus, that is awesome. That is great. Go and tell as many people as you can of this incredible gift that we have and how easy and how simple it is to get this gift. But if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, you want to receive this eternal life, you want this spiritual life to be awakened again, to be in relationship with our Father, please come up. After this, I'll be right here. I would love to pray with you to accept Jesus into your life. I would love to do that with you. It will be a tremendous privilege and an honor for, for me to do that for you. When I say that, I'm not asking anyone to join this church. It's just I want everyone to have this incredible, incredible gift that I didn't know anything about until 13 years ago. It is an amazing gift that awakened everything from within us, changed our lives, shifted our lives, change our, our, our li the lives for our kids, for, our, for the next generations. I know our kids are the way they are because of God, because of Jesus. And our grandchildren will be the way that they are because of Jesus. And he deserves all the glory and all the credit. And that's why I say it's an honor for me to share with you the gift that I receive freely. So, so if you want to, I will be up here. Myself, Vanessa, some other people, we would love to pray with you. Um, so, anyway.